I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Down. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Fam, the title of this episode is I Don't Know. Because not a single person... Copyright infringement. You know what? No, and Steph, it's 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 profound. because we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into a bunch of stuff tonight, but uh, my takeaway of this team right now is as much as we all want to pretend to be experts... Ain't nobody have any idea what's going on. Yeah, there's that like that shrug <laughs> emoji thing. It's basically that. Uh, let's just get into it. Uh, I, let's let's do the intros. Uh, first and foremost, Stephalicious D, Steph Driver. So my quick hit was, I don't know. <laughs> and then Bill stole it. You usually come up with more. So I'm going to expand on that a little bit. Um, I don't know whether this team has turned the corner i don't know if they're playing better i don't know if they're good and i don't know if they're bad i don't know if they're only winning games because they're playing the worst teams in the league or if they've gotten their shit together i don't know steph i'm going to i'm going to expand on your point yes <laughs> Agreed. All right, good show fam. It's all of that. From the athletic.com, charlie o'connor I'm going to throw some numbers at, at you guys. Ooh, know. Shocker, different. right? That's just, I never do that. Um, Weird. So last season, Brian Elliott finished the year, his, his first season in Philadelphia, with a 909 save percentage and a 2.66 goals against average. Guess where he sits right now after 12 appearances this year? Where, Charlie? A 909 save percentage and a 2.67 goals against average. That's wild. We're going to talk a lot about this team being erratic and us not really knowing what this team is. But is Brian Elliott the most dependable person associated with it? And by dependable, I don't mean great. I just mean that you know pretty much exactly what you're going to get from him. It's going to be okay, not awesome, not awful goaltending over a large sample size. Good, not great. That's There's two things I want to address with that. Is His numbers are not a reflection of his play. Because he is either great or awful. That's fair. And then at the end it's okay. It's like, oh yeah, I've got average <laughs> And fair. the other thing I'll say, of all the things I'll say about this team is, with all their warts, all their ups and downs, when they get adequate goaltending, they tend to come away with two points. Yeah. For as bad as the special teams are, as bad as I hate the coach, as bad as so many different things can and sometimes are with this team, um... When the goaltending isn't that bad, they tend to win. Last but certainly not least, Randall Graves herself, Kelly Hinkle. <laughs> so, no one else gets no, the reference. No, I know. It's okay. So, um, yeah, I just want to... I'm having a little trouble with Flyers fans lately because it seems like a lot of... of our lives. Still okay. got another month and a week before Festivus. Yeah. I mean, you can't do, I'm do gonna, much. I'm going to air a little bit. It's a very black and white group, and there seems to be an opinion that you cannot at the same time, think that there are good things about this team and think that there are bad things about this team. That you can't at the same time root for this team to win all of their games and also hope really, really hard that the Flyers fire their entire front office. You can do all of these things at the same time. You can be a good fan and really hate Dave Haxtell. You can be a good fan and hope that maybe they go on a little bit of a skid that doesn't really matter because then their coach will get fired. We, we can't fan roll each other when times are tough like this. I can hate Dave Haxtell and hope that they win games and that seems, at the same time. I sometimes get the feeling that 
because we can't scream in Ron Hextall's face the way we want to, we take it out on each other because we're the only ones in front of us. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that's fair. Right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) People just start yelling at each other on Twitter. Do people not know that we all fight about nothing? Yeah, I'll get get in like a 14 tweet exchange with somebody like I have a good Twitter relationship with (laughs) where we're using all caps and calling each other assholes. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is not because of anything. This is straight up because we're both mad at the same people and can't yell at them. I think like three days ago, Kelly and I got real shitty with each other over literally nothing. Like when you, it's it's like when you hate your boss and you take it out. You take it out on your significant other or your friend or whatever because you're mad at your boss. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like that's where we get with this team sometimes. But Steph, you used an interesting phrase, and I've used it too. Is it? I don't know. No, turning (laughs) this idea. This idea that there's some corner to turn, and perhaps they have, and perhaps they haven't. I got a wide turn, fam. It's I've used it many, many times too, a lot in the last week or so. But I got to tell you, I, I, I was putting together some numbers today, Charlie. Hey, and uh, we're a good team. <laughs> not not the Flyers, but us. No, no. <laughs> well, the, they might be. Maybe, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> but uh, let me listen to this. The Flyers have played 79 games since the 10-game losing streak last year. Almost a full season's worth of games, which includes the playoff series against Pittsburgh. So I'm going to reference points and stuff, and you just got to go with it because I'm trying to get the sample as close to possible to a full season. 79, pretty close. Where was I? I don't know. That that was (laughs) a long podcast pause. Over that span, the Flyers are 45, 26, and 8. That's 98 points worth over those 79 games, which is about a 102-point pace over a full 82. Five of the eight overtime losses are in shootouts, so they are playing pretty well. I know it looks like the loser point saved them last season, and during the the 10-game losing streak, it absolutely did. But really, since then, the team has been pretty damn successful. It hasn't been linear, and I know at times they look downright awful. But overall, they have performed. That's without a number one goaltender for long stretches, or really a number two. Their defense is a work in progress with first and second and third year, early 20-somethings developing before our eyes, with replacement level players holding down ice time while the youngsters come along here and in the minors. Yes, this team has some serious warts. Special teams are atrocious. We're not sure about the GM's ability to assess NHL-level talent or his willingness and ability to upgrade the NHL roster or even his ability to recognize when or where an upgrade would be appropriate. This team still has quite a bit of developing to do. There are still question marks in key positions, including the entire coaching staff and the future between the pipes. But overall, this team is progressing. They are better than they were at the start of last season. I get as frustrated as anybody, and I'm skeptical of the ceiling of this squad under its current leadership. But I can also acknowledge that a step has been taken. Now... Have they taken a big enough step since the end of last year? And are they trending towards challenging for a division title and a threat to be more than a one-and-done playoff team? That remains to be seen. But it is the but I do believe this is the fun part of the process. It's starting to come together. I'm confident in saying it is finally actually starting to come together. The most important part is the players. And I like what I've seen out of most of the players. Yeah, yeah, no, you're not wrong. No, yeah. And to Kelly's point, yes, I'm hoping the coach gets fired. But it's going to it's going to happen eventually cuz even good coaches get fired. If Quenville and Laviolette can get fired, Fucking Hackstall's gonna get fired eventually, guys. It's gonna happen. <laughs> well, the thing that hopefully Bilesma won a cup and he's a bad coach, but was eventually fired. Like it I happens. Just, I need I need the Flyers Bilesma. I need <laughs> the next guy that comes in has Maybe to win the him. cup with the team. No, 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 no. We are not hiring Bilesma. Yeah, no, you're, no. you're, you're no. talking to no. Steph and Kelly, the number one and number no, no, two no. damn Bilesma haters in existence. What if Hackstall is the Bilesma who gets us kind of going? No, 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 no. Bilesma came in and immediately won the cup, right? Yeah. yeah well, was, was, that, well yeah. I think that was also because Crosby. like he came in in replacement of a coach that was actually horrific in Michelle Terrian. Yeah. And he was better than him. So you just need to get a coach that's better than yeah, the guy better. you fire. Weird. Is <laughs> our Mike Johnson. We need to find our Sullivan. Okay. I'm fine well, with yeah, that. Yeah, but Sullivan's like the best in the league. And this Ooh, um, arguably yeah. this feeling of I don't know what this team is and all the, the apathy that maybe 
is going on in parts of this fan base and the cannibalization of the Flyers fan base leads us to this article that Brad Keffer wrote today about why maybe there is apathy among a fan base uh, of a team that 5-0-1 in their last six. That's pretty good, guys. That's pretty damn good. They have as many points as anybody in the division. That's good as well. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Uh, listen, yeah, nothing I, makes sense I right understand now. points percentage and games played and all that, but they're there. They're right there with everybody else. This is the way the start of the season looks, and they're right there. So what are we thinking, guys? Is this article on point? Run us through some of the points of it. So do, you, so do you want me to do you want me to quote some of the some of the stuff from Brad? Yeah, I, I, I really like Brad's article, me and too. I'm I'm coming I'm coming from a point where a point of view where I don't I don't share his point of view, but I like the article because it gave me more insight into the people who hold that point of view. And to me, that's interesting. I don't want to just read articles that I agree with. I want to read articles I disagree with because it challenges the way I think. And I don't agree. I, I don't share. I, I wouldn't say agree because. Brad made it very clear this is not this is not a matter of agreeing and disagreeing. This is just a matter of like what you're feeling about the team. And you can't I mean sometimes feelings, I guess, can be can be wrong, but in this case, when you're talking about something as meaningless inherently as sports, feelings are feelings. And you either have them or you don't. I felt that Peter Morozik was a good option. <laughs> I felt it for a solid forty five minutes. Oh God. I should actually like Peter Morozik because he made me look smart. <laughs> but anyway, so Brad's feeling is that he's absolutely Pathetic towards this team, and this was kind of the kickoff part of the of the articles. Following the Flyers' overtime victory versus the Arizona Arizona Coyotes last Thursday, I was talking to a friend of mine, and when the game came up in conversation, they were taken back by me saying, "Yeah, they won in overtime." So unenthusiastically, of course, that led to the obvious question of why don't you seem happy about that? And the answer I gave was quite short. It was that with every game they win, it feels like they're taking one step backwards. At the surface, that's a weird thing to say, you know, because in reality, winning games is clearly a step forward. But with this iteration of the Flyers, it just doesn't feel that way. It feels like they're only pushing off the inevitable, and in this case, that would be an overhaul to the coaching staff and maybe more. That is what he feels is the inevitable. And this is what we get to, is that, as you said, they're 5-0-1 in their last six. The, their best player, Claude Drew, was seventh in the league in scoring going into the games tonight. But for a large portion of the fan base, the reaction to these this, these objectively good results is basically somewhere between meh and, oh God, they're winning, so now they got everybody off the hot seat. This is wonderful. I mean, outside of a stretch where they had no goalie in, in like March of last year and then the playoffs and then the start to this year, like I read you the numbers. They've had good results for basically a calendar year overall. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they need to be better in the playoffs, can't get blown out the way they do, and the way they play at home sometimes, the people who pay money to go see games, I honestly feel bad for them. But, like, overall, team's been good for a calendar year. Yeah, and I, I, I go ahead, Seth. I just, they suck to watch. Like, even even if the results are there, like, it's just not a fun team to watch. So is that, that is, is that what you think is driving? Because, like, I'm not even saying this as a critique of, of the feeling. Like, feelings are feelings. You have them or you don't. It's just fascinating to me that so many people have just checked out on this team, despite the fact that things, at least on paper, seem like they're better. For me, yeah. I was just going to say, like, what is frustrating for me is that, especially when it's laid out on paper like this, the way that we've had it in this outline tonight, there are quite a few things that are going really well right now over this little stretch of wins. Things that we should be excited about. But for me, it's just this like ever-present dark cloud looming over our heads because you know, and we've seen it pretty much since he got here, when this team wins... They're not winning because something Dave Haxall has done. They're typically winning despite stupid decisions that he's making. Uh, let me, uh, and it just feels like, th- yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, let me just ask, because I haven't talked to you guys since I said this on a post game the, uh, the Thursday win. Yeah. Where where uh, Brian Elliott came in in relief. We listened to the post game from Saturday in the car yesterday. The, by the way, all nice. three of us. We all laughed incredibly hard when you talked about your hair that was hanging in your face. <laughs> <laughs> you just stop mid sentence. Oh, it's the hair in my face. <laughs> Already chuckle. I, you know, sometimes I, I I'm talking to myself for an I hour. I know you're yeah, a fucking totally delight. Fair. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> it's amazing. So yeah. on Thursday. <clears throat> things got out of hand. They they get up 2 nothing, and then suddenly two shorthanded goals against. They're down 4-2. Dave Haxtall calls a timeout. Dave hey! Haxtall replaces the goaltender. Dave Haxtall plays Travis Sanheim top four minutes. He made a bunch of good decisions al- in that game. He also sat Yuri Laterra. Bench yeah, Yuri Laterra. Yeah, that was a big thing. Andrew McDonald continues 
to sit in the press box. I said that Dave Hackstall's game on Thursday was his best as, as the Philadelphia Flyers head coach. And perhaps I'm leaving room, much like I expect Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom and Travis Sanheim and these young players as they mature and get to know the league, Maybe there's some room for Dave Haxtell to improve as a coach. Charlie, are you better at covering the Philadelphia Flyers than you were your first day with Broad Street Absolutely. Hockey? And I'm I'm better this year, I feel like. I feel like I ask better questions this year as in my second full year as a B writer than I did in my first full year as a B writer. So yeah, I, mean, I can feel the progression. I would I would love Dave Haxtell to get to be better. And perhaps he could. How but long is that going to take? I was just going to say we're running out of time <laughs> here with a particular group of players. Like we don't have all day to wait for Dave Haxtell to find his shit. Well, here's well, the point. Here's also, he's getting paid millions a lot of dollars of because he's supposed to be already good at this. Here's yeah. a point I'll make though Ready. about and saying this, I am not. I, I'm not as vehement. Like need to fire Haxtell right now, but I'm. I'm not a huge. I'm. I'm a skeptic of Dave Haxtell. I, I would yeah. say I'm a skeptic of Dave Haxtell. However, it's fair to say that a lot of the stuff that that we on this show complained about regarding Dave Haxtell in the past few years hasn't really been a problem this year. Like what are what are the what are the biggest Ish, specific issues that we can point to for Dave Haxel this year. It's what? That Travis Sanheim is getting third pair of minutes instead of second pair of minutes. Yeah. And Nick Albay Kubel is getting minimal ice time. And we yeah. don't but we don't like we don't even know if Nick Albay Kubel is actually no. any good. And Travis Sanheim Yes, I think he's much he's better than the sixth best defenseman on this team, but I'm willing to accept that this might be a developmental strategy with him. And if it is, I'm cool with the idea of just letting him think he's awesome before you and and these are the things that we that probably are the most specific things that we can point to that are frustration points with Dave Haxtell. Like, yes, Dale Weiss and Yuri Letera are playing every night, but you know what? They actually deserve the ice time. They're not playing terribly. And we're gonna get into those two and what might happen when this uh when this roster is back to full strength, if you know that ever actually happens, it's mostly theoretical because it's hockey and every time you get someone back, you lose somebody. But I yeah, there's very my number one complaint with Dave has been for the last year his handling of the netminders. Right. And at this point now it's just plug and play. Like yeah. whoever yeah. can go needs to. If fucking Neil Little shows up to the practice facility, maybe he gets a shot because I don't know. <laughs> like, no, it's just like I can't even I can't even get on him for playing Elliot every night because what's he supposed to do? There's only so like again. I I realize we have six. We talk about it every week, and it's hilarious. But they're going to use all of them by the end of the year. Six goalies. Yeah. Six. So, Do not ever forget that for a second. So like, here's the thing. Like, okay, as a noted hater of Dave Haxtell, <laughs> I am, however, willing to hear this kind of stuff. And when you lay it out like that, okay, yeah, maybe he hasn't done anything specifically bad this season. But I think that we were all so geared up. Right for this to be the season that things started to happen and it started off so terribly that you kind of have to point it somewhere. And it's him because it's been him because he's, for the last yeah, three years. Yeah, because he's there and we're, we're predisposed. And I'm not saying that like he's done an amazing no, job. No, no, I Because know. there are things that you can sort of nebulously point to as problems, like the slow starts. If you want to, you can say that's on Dave because Dave's the coach and Dave's in the end, it's Dave's job to get the players prepared to play to start games. At the same time, it's not as specific as a decision. If you want to, you can just pin that on the players. It's not necessarily totally on Dave. I mean, yeah. I blame it on Yuri's connection. I mean, the one thing, (laughs) the one thing, and and this is why, this is why I'm I'm sympathetic towards, and I'm going to get into this argument that that Brad makes, because Brad, in this article, makes it very clear that for him, it's just hack. That hack is, Mm -hmm. is the reason for the apathy. And the reason why I'm sympathetic to the argument is because I feel that on a lesser scale when it comes to Ian LaPerriere. Well, my, yeah. like, my view of the penalty kill is just like, I know I have to analyze this, but I almost am thinking, what's the point? Because it's just going to be bad as long as he's the coach. I am yeah. convinced of this. There is almost nothing that can change my view of this because I'm just convinced that he's a bad coach. I like the guy. He seems like a good dude. I just don't think he's a good penalty kill coach. And I can't. It, it's impossible for me to envision a scenario where my mind is changed. No. So I'm sympathetic towards the people that are out on Hackstall because I just think about it as they just view Hack the same way I view I view LaPerriere. And it's your view on LaPerriere and everyone I would assume here's view on LaPerriere is part of the reason I have a little sympathy towards Hackstall because going back to his previous seasons, like 
All right, if Val Philpola is just one of the, like, what's he, if he sits Val Philpola, he plays who? So you have to dress this ineffective guy, and yeah, we got no third line. I don't know what to tell you. This is a team with two lines, just the way she goes. And (laughs) there was, so a theory that I had, I don't remember if it was last season or the season before, probably last season as we were all grasping for straws, um, but that it was a veiled tank by the front office. Having Hackstall and keeping Hackstall because I I feel like he's just so wildly out of his depth to the point where I felt sympathetic towards him because it just didn't seem like he knew what to do behind the bench. And And that feeling hasn't changed. As I mean, the the tank feeling. No, no, your feeling has not changed regarding regarding Dave. My feeling has not changed regarding Dave. And I still kind of, I still do feel bad for him as a human. Yeah, I mean, he seems like a nice guy and he's shit on constantly, but. And you know, he wakeboards and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) As time goes on. But I I just think that he's just way out of his depth. As time goes on and Ian LaPerriere is still employed uh, to coach a failure of a penalty kill unit, I mean, Hackstall didn't hire this guy. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the this stuff that you got to take This is someone he inherited yeah. who is still here, which tells me the decision to keep him is not Dave's. No. And that makes me a little sympathetic in that, what's he supposed to do? This team's actually performing pretty well five on five. Like, take away half of these power play goals against. It's like, whoa, this is like kind of a good defensive <laughs> team. <laughs> a really good point. Like, oh, this is shit. a decent defensive team. No, give this team... Just a middle of the road penalty yeah. kill, and it's it's bleeding this division by four or five points. Yes, <laughs> and that's insane, God, but it's true. With the metro, that's how bad this penalty kill has yeah. been. But to, so to kind but of they ch- blacked the Blackhawks, who are one a game. bottom, who they're like the worst penalty kill in hockey. Yeah. Thirty or one thirty, of the worst. horrific. Then yeah. now I think that they're the bottom of their division. Yeah, now the team they're like bot. They're thirtieth or thirty first in power play percentage. The Golden Knights are the best team they've blacked. They're all the way up to seventh. They're like bottom four when the Flyers played them. Like seventh but, worst. Or seventh, seventh worst. Okay, yeah. so it's not. They're still bad. They're yeah, just not yeah. horrific. The four team. <laughs> they've blanked three teams in four games because they've played Vegas twice. All of them are bottom seven. And that's the yeah. Bad. I mean, the penalty like, kills it. Penalty and, kills it. But yeah, this goes back to what I'm saying is that I'm just out yeah. on Perrier. I'm out on him, and and I, this is why I'm sympathetic towards the out on Hacks, like yeah. with the out on Hacks people, even though I don't share that because I can I can just replace my feeling about Ian Perrier with their feeling with Hacksaw, and then I get it. I get where they're coming from. And to to quote this directly from from Brad's piece, basically he he boiled he wrote this explaining his feelings about why he's apathetic. He said, what it really boils down to is being fully convinced of the following. Every game they win increases the amount of time Haxel will be coaching here. The longer Haxel is coaching here, further they are away from a deep playoff run. The further they are away from a deep playoff run, the further you, along you are into stars like Claude Drew's career. And while he beat the aging curve last year, he's still getting older. And then number four, if this goes on for much longer, we're looking at one, maybe two-year window with this team before they before they lack the true star power that Drew gives them, unless Nolan Patrick or Travis Connect to get there, but they might not. They might just be Good players, they might never be great players. So that's basically the case, and I thought that was a well a well reasoned case yeah. for that. Brad then, as as I think a lot of like good articles should do, they address the counter argument to that argument, and basically the counter argument to this this feeling of apathy because of Haxel is that. You just don't want to be wrong about thinking that there's something rotten about this team. And that's why wins don't make you happy, is that you so desperately want to be right, whether consciously or subconsciously, that wins annoy you because they make it less likely that you are right. And Brad's response is basically that, no, he has no problem being wrong, if that's how it plays out. He's just thoroughly convinced that he's right. That's that's, that's where I come from, just with about everything that has to do with <laughs> here, <laughs> on the radio and my articles. Like... I don't give a shit if I'm wrong. Right. Like, I, I have an opinion, and this is what it is. If I'm wrong, that means the team is doing well, and yeah. that's good. Every time I have a negative opinion about this team, I want to be wrong. No, that's no, the like, <laughs> All day I, long. I, prove I was, me I wrong. Think before you guys got here, I was talking to Kelly about Dale Weiss, and I was like, I honestly think I've been over-praising him in post-games and stuff. To make up for... Just to make up for, like, (laughs) I was trashing him. Burying the guy. I was trashing him and saying I had a personal issue with him for two years, and now he's playing well, and I have no problem with it. But I do believe that there is... I'm not saying anyone in this room, or I'm not saying Brad, I'm just saying the people I come in contact with, whether on the line or in the real world... (laughs) There is some of that. Like, there, it, there might be, but 
but I honestly think it's probably sm- a smaller group than, pe- I would than, hope than the so. other side wants to believe. Yeah, there's definitely people out there who just like to be right. And that's why they that's why they learn about sports. They just like to be right and they have to be right about everything because that's their personality. But I do believe a lot of it is is what Brad hinted at, which is that people are just so convinced that hack is bad that it's not like if if they were proven wrong that would be amazing and they would turn the same way they turned with doug with doug peterson like after year one there are people who are just like doug's a moron he's an idiot and then it's not like they weren't allowed to join in the parade they were just as happy as everybody else and they weren't you know oh man this would have been such a better super bowl if they would have fired doug and somebody else would have done it they were just as happy as, as everybody else and i think it's the same way with most flyers fans but i do believe this is the dividing line this is the divide line between how the two groups of the fans are feeling it's that it's it's your answer to two questions number one are you 100 or close to it you know 99 whatever convinced of your own opinion regarding this team and this coach and then do you think it is at all possible that you could be wrong on hackstall hackstall the core whoever you're blaming what what you think is wrong with this team and if your answer to both those questions is if your answer to the first question is yes and the answer to the second question is no, then you're probably feeling like Brad because you're just like, well, if they're not going to change anything, I'm pretty sure this is a disaster and it's going to be a disaster whether whether it's fine now, it's not going to be fine in a month, so it's going to be bad. But if if you're if you're either not convinced of your opinion or you think it could be possible that you're wrong, or maybe if you're just if you just like hacksaw, I'm sure there are some people out there that just like flat out 100% like the guy. Then you're probably pretty excited about this run. There are some people coming out of the woodwork right now that just I mean they don't have real name Twitter accounts or anything, but all of a sudden Burners. all of a sudden I'll just compliment something that happened in the game on t- and all of a sudden oh it turns out hacks a good coach when the players play well. I'm like yeah, but oh like, it's yeah. his wife. I'm like oh, okay. <laughs> that that happened on the athletic. Hi, Mrs. Hackstall. Uh, last February, yeah, there were a lot of commenters that came out of the work and just were ripping me for for daring to write an article nine games into the ten game losing streak, being like. Hey, maybe like Hack might get fired, and they're how could you have done that? Look at how good they're doing now. So reactionary, dude. Ten game losing streaks tend to get coaches fired. It's also, worth exploring. Sports are reactionary. <laughs> it's what you're supposed to do is react to them. It's That's why, why fair point. It's why going to a game and then when the goal buzzer goes off, you stand up and cheer. <laughs> like cause not like react- small sample size. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, just one fucking goal. <laughs> Whatever. We're a half hour into the show, and I just remembered what I wanted my hot take. Oh, let's hear it, Steph. What is it? Brandong Manning. <laughs> yeah, that, that did that? happen. Oh How my god. Brandong. Brandong so Manning. So good. Own goal from Brandong. It, it was it was really like it was just I feel I I did feel bad for Manning because he's not a bad dude, <laughs> but it was nice to see like for Hackstall to have to watch that. Yes. Because it's like, dude, all last year you were you were adamant that this guy needed to be in the lineup every night and the fans were screaming at you that he he shouldn't be and then this happens right in front of you <laughs> was, it was pretty great it was delightful. and you all know i have different feelings i i enjoy i i don't like watching brandon i think brandon manning has, well, no 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 you were right he does have offensive he does have offensive <laughs> sure does. i think brandon manning is a better player than we gave him credit for but should he have been playing over like if the choice is travis sanheim or brandon manning no no, that's a wrong choice to put Brandon Manning in the lineup. I get it. That was wrong. But, like, on some defenses, I, yes, I believe he belongs in the NHL. Maybe. But <laughs> well, he was that's scratched. Debatable. He was scratched in Chicago, <laughs> he was. too. He's a seven. And, and he's, he, you know what? You know what I view Brandon Manning? Manning? Brandon Manning is basically, there's probably 40 other Brandon Mannings in the AHL right now that could be just as, like, defensemen in the AHL that could be Brandon Manning. Brandon Manning just happened to find a coach who liked his style of play. And, yep. and and you know there's a TJ Brennan just never found that coach. If TJ never Brennan, found that NHL coach. If TJ Brennan was willing to drop the gloves, ah, <laughs> come on, TJ, all there is to it. All right, uh, let's move on is to that more enough? fun stuff. Yeah, let's get fun to the stuff. Good stuff because I love this this Claude Giroux pace stuff. I love watching him climb up the leaderboards. Three more assists, he'll be in second place yeah, in franchise maybe. history by himself, behind only Bobby Clark, whose socks I wore, Kelly, to get this uh, tattoo on Friday. Oh, lovely. Oh, did exciting. you get the tattoo? Yeah. Yeah, the apprentice didn't screw up too bad. No, it's good. Um, it's good. 
He passed Rick McLeish for fourth all-time in points on the Flyers franchise list, uh, and his next point will be number 700. Uh, recently passed former teammate Danny Briere and Chris Pronger on the league's all-time points list. He sits at number 238 with 699 points. He needs nice. one to tie Jeff Sanderson for 237th. His next pal on the list is Scott Hartnell with 707, 228th. Charlie, if you get a chance, I just need to know like if he knows that he passed Danny and Pronger and he's going to be passing. Hartnell That's a good soon. question to ask. I'll, I I'll, know, I'll try to drop it. Just like it's it, whatever. I'll try to drop like, it. Hartnell's coming up. Yeah, I and he's know. buddies with Hartnell. Yeah, yeah. He's, he was buddies with Briere. Yeah. Pronger. I'm Pronger. Not, yeah, 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 I don't think anybody was buddies with Pronger, but he was buddies with Briere I don't and Hartnell. Pronger's kids like Pronger. <laughs> I totally forgot about Jeff Sanderson. Yeah. Now I'm so I want to. I want to. Uh, I just want to know if he like. Texted Danny like, beat you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all. But Claude Giroux. Texted him a selfie with the puck. Yeah. Suck. <laughs> Claude Giroux, we talk, he beat the aging curve last year, and he appears yeah, he to did. continue be beating it on pace for 106 points and 33 goals. When did he become a 33 goal scorer? Just like, yeah, I'm the goal scoring winger I always needed. Told last ya. year. Like, I love when Giroux shoots. I get so excited when he shoots the puck. Seventh in the league in scoring. How's he doing this? He's like a. I really thought he was done, hockey. guys. And this is the thing: I've never been happier to be wrong about something than I was Claude Giroux. This is my number one. Oh, I'll take this all day. I was out on Claude Giroux. So, like, let's give Dave a little bit of credit here. I think that moving him to wing took a little bit of pressure off of him, and he was allowed to just have fun again. Yeah, I think and it's showing. I think one thing that this uh, this first month and five was like month and two weeks, yeah, six weeks. Okay. We're into the season, something like that. It's. It's taken away any lingering doubts I had that Drew's great year last year was just because of Couturier. Because Couturier, for the first, like, Couturier is just becoming Couturier again, mm-hmm. and Drew's still scoring. Yep. Drew is still scoring at a crazy rate without the help of Selkie caliber Sean Couturier. And it's like, no, no, it, it, Drew definitely was not a product of Sean Couturier. Drew is just awesome now. He's just awesome again. Simple as that. Drew is good. <laughs> Colon. My column. <laughs> you used the colon. Did you Another enjoy? Colon. Did you get to? Did, are you the one who edited my sounds from the locker room? It was me, yes. Because I put in colons on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> of course, it was uh, me. Yeah, but yeah, like the war on colons. Gee, man, uh, I'm having so much fun watching him, and now that he's in the latter part of his career, and the lingering thing for me, it wasn't so much that. Yeah, I guess a little part of it was, oh man, is Couturier carrying this? And another, another. Hackstall decision. Who thought Sean Couturier was a 1C? I liked Sean Couturier. I did not believe he was this, and I didn't believe he was what he was last year, and yeah, I lo and he- behold, here we are. But my, my concern was... All right, Giroux had the one good year. He just happened to be healthy. Was this just was that the a fluke? Yeah, that's was fair. This just the that's fluke? totally fair to, to worry. It's a fluke. He's almost thirty-one, and here we are. He's on pace for the same season. He's on pace for the same season. That's kind of good. Like just a little bit, right? And this is what I'm talking about with, like, we can't wait for Dave Haxtell to figure out how to coach hockey. Like, no. we're not going to have this Drew for very long. I this understand. is a window. It's open. I, but I'm of the opinion that if they don't do more than they did in the playoffs last year, he's gone. Oh. And so I'm willing to wait out this year because he's not going to get fired in but the season. But that's another We've been year. saying that for the yeah. past two years. But this the, was supposed to be the year. It yes. still could be. And it though. is. I to me, we, it is. Because they're the not GM, winning the cup this year. No, they're not winning the cup, but... I, I look at this team and I. They don't have a goal after after we got through the the bullshit of the first two and a half weeks when the team was just garbage. This team again looks to me like a club that can go to the second round, especially getting back James Van Riemsdyk. They really should. And 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 you know what? Hopefully we're going to be in February and we're going to be on the show screaming that Ron Haxtell has to has to add at the trade deadline because this team, if this is the year, go get go get another defenseman. Go get Bob. go get go get another defenseman and take one of one of Christian Follen or Robert Haig out of the lineup. Because we need to really take a run at this. Thing. I'm really. That's looking, what I'm hoping. I'm really looking forward to the go get Bob charge. I'm going to oh, leave. Oh no! It's gonna be that doesn't. That doesn't seem like do a very know, bill. Do you know how old Sergei Bobrovsky is? Like 
30? 31? Yeah, why well, he's do you 30, want him? He's 30 I now. I want him for this season. Yeah, you get him as a rental. Yeah, it was a rental. Yeah, you don't need to sign him. Sign him long term so we can have Carter Hart and trade him for Steve Mason. All right, uh, <laughs> as a rental, I don't hate it. I don't All want right, to sign uh, him. Let's move on to Couturier. Is he having a bad season? He is. He's off to a very bad start. He'll figure it but out. But the, the prevailing cheap. thought is that it's just because he absolutely hates playing. Yeah, he's a malcontent. Yeah, he wants out. Right. That's the worst possible fucking plan that you could have as a player in a contract. <laughs> it's pretty year. bad. It's like that is that is that that is people trying to make excuses for him being really bad. Maybe he's just having too. a bad run. Like sometimes goalies just don't play well for a little bit, and then they wake yeah. up and they play well. Braden Holpe regular season versus playoffs last year. Let's move. Oh, on. I don't like being here, so I'm going to play like shit and not get a contract next year. A, like that is really. I don't think it's purposeful. I just think he's it's just a distraction and it's whatever. Couturier oh, for a second. Uh is he back? Like what was the matter? Is it the knee? Is it just not going yet cuz he missed the preseason? Now I mean that power move for the almost shorthanded goal. Um that was awesome. That was some straight up like Yager highlight shit. Like guy on his back just going, nope. Like that yeah. was that should be a class in protecting the puck with your ass. Um, <laughs> no, when he got that puck, my first thought was he's not fast enough. There's no way he no, scored yeah. here. And then it's just like, well, yeah, Luckily, go, go through my ass, okay? <laughs> Luckily it was Kunitz. That's fair. But, Kunitz isn't very fast yeah. either anymore. But uh, like, is he back? And if so, yes. what was the problem? I, I do think that there's some to the fact that he didn't get any preseason time. He was kind of having a preseason there that first month of the season. That's what he claims. And hey. that's, that's what Hacksaw says. That's what Hacksaw says. Now, is it possible they all could be lying? Yes. yes. It's possible they all could be lying and he could actually be just dealing with a knee injury the entire season, maybe. But... I mean, he's going to be dealing they, with it. They all were pretty uniform in terms of pushing this narrative that it was... The fact that he wasn't in, in, he wasn't totally up to game pace is what they kept saying. He just wasn't keeping up with the pace of play the way he wants to. And that now he said a couple times on the road trip, the West Coast road trip is when it started to turn for him mm-hmm. and when he felt like he was catching up and looking at the numbers in his last six games, which is the five zero and one streak that that goes with the the road trip. Eight points in his last six games. He's got a fifty three point five nine Corsi and a fifty eight point three three scoring chance for percentage of five on five. So he's driving play. And he's scoring ever since he claims if he felt it turn. So the numbers do back up the the point that he's making that that was when he felt he felt he was catching up to everything. And I will. I remember when Mike Richards started to have his playing time in L.A. decreased and they talked about what was wrong. And it was a guy who isn't the fastest, a guy who isn't the most fleet of foot. A guy like Couturier, who isn't the fastest, depends so much on just being in the right position, having his angles right, and having his timing right. And when you don't get a preseason, when things just aren't clicking all the way... It's not going to look great because he wasn't on a roll. His timing was bad, and Couturier isn't the fastest. And now seems to have played himself. He seems to have played himself in the shape, getting things going. The excuse holds up to me, is what I'm trying to say. The like, yeah, it would be nice if we had the real Sean Couturier for the first couple weeks, but you know he tours MCL, so that's just what we had to deal with. Uh, and I hope he turned it around because I love good Sean Couturier. When he got that bounce off Manning, I was like, that's what was happening last year because good play turns into bounces. And he got rewarded. So hopefully that continues. Guys, I have a question. Now, we. we What's we, your question, Bill? We consistently beat on uh, Ian LaPerriere. We Just hit him, hit right him the over the head with yeah. a shovel as often we, as we can because the penalty kill under his watch is a failure. We probably shouldn't hit him over the head with a shovel. I mean, he had, <laughs> does have concussion issues. Like, just, I shoot pucks like, in just, his face. Yeah, no, like, well, no, if you're going to hit him with a shovel, don't hit him in the head. Where are the calls to replace Knobloch? Um, you make a good point. The well, power play is bad, and it has regressed since he took over last it's year. It's a fair point. Like, it was a decent enough group when he took over, mm-hmm. and they weren't very good last year. I mean, the top unit was at like 19.5%, and that's pretty good considering the second unit scored two goals all of last year, one of which had nobody from power play one involved. So, one goal the second unit scored, and you're still around 20%, not too bad. This year, they're 28th in the league. The only thing that I would say is that he's only been here for a year, so we don't know if this is going to be a consistent problem. With Lappy, it is. It's very obviously and clearly a consistent problem, and they're getting worse year over year. 
this has been one year and yeah, they suck right now, but I feel like with the personnel that they have, they could very easily turn it around. But that's my issue, is that with the personnel that they have, this group should be a top 10 group. That's totally fair. And I, I mostly agree with Steph in that with Lappy, it's just that we have such a large sample size of yeah. years upon years of the best the penalty kill has been under Lappy, aside from that first year when he was basically, in my mind, running with all of Craig Ruby's tactics because Craig Ruby was the PK coach, then got promoted to head coach, and Lappy just slid in to replace him as PK coach and just did everything that Ruby had already told him to do, to do. It was the second year when he actually started implementing his stuff, and that's when things went bad but basically since he's been been pk coach the best the penalty kill has been has been mediocre and the worst it's been has been this year when it's just been laughably bad um i do agree that you it should be better it needs to be better but as you said a power play is kind of like a home run hitter and maybe in december they're going to be hitting home runs every other game so you, I, i'm willing to give him at least to the end of the year to fix this but yeah so far this year it's been bad how do we like the personnel switches? I like them. I think Konechny is just now starting. I like Nolan Patrick in that spot. Wayne Same. Simmons, one of my favorite flyers ever. But I just think Nolan Patrick is more versatile. And I want to see them utilize that versatility by switching him and Giroux sometimes, popping both of them behind the net to distribute from there. I'll never get over that. But just use that versatility a little. And when JVR comes back, I want him to replace Couturier. That's just me. But I think Konechny is the key. Yeah, they're not going to do that. I know. <laughs> um... I think Konechny is the key, and I think he's just starting to figure it out. Because Konechny on that second unit tended to force a lot of things. And I get it. He was, like, the best player on that second unit, the most talented guy. And it was a bad unit, so just force stuff, because that's the way it goes. Now, sometimes, just making a simple play, wrapping it around the boards back to Giroux, just handing it to Ghost and letting Ghost do Ghost stuff, is the smart play. And I saw Konechny just now start to do that rather than take a bad shot and make a force a pass. I'm I'm willing to give him more time. I think he's the key because Voracek and Giroux had such chemistry. Uh, I I think it's going to start to come around with him, and then we could start to see some results. But the talent on the ice, man, they should be scoring more goals. So at what point do we... I hate to be this guy. Blame a head coach for two special team units that are terrible. I mean, yes. I'm sure he has he has input. He has to, right? He's right, the head coach. You would think so, right? Yeah. I would I would assume, yeah. But when we get into these assistants who are in charge of these things and especially the penalty kill, a coach he inherited yeah. who continues to fail, how much say does he really have? I don't know. Well, I so, hang that one totally on. Hextall. Yeah. Well, it's it's tough. I mean, we talked about this last week. Is Hackstall telling his assistants what personnel to use or are they just picking and choosing from the whole pool? Do you know? No. They won't I, tell, right? I mean, that's not something... That's a question where, like, I guess I could ask it, but I think there's about a 1% chance that they would answer it. Yeah. It, it, it In all honesty, what it boils down to is the fact that we don't get access to the assistants. <clears throat> is that... Ron Hextall has made it clear that the media does not get access to the assistants, so all we can do is ask Hack. And... My guess is that it's a it's a it's a collaborative that they that both the, the assistant and the head coach talk about who needs to be in the lineup. They but you know the assistant coach says this is the guy I want. The head coach makes the final call, but takes into account the input of the assistant coach. That's my assumption. But yeah, I'm I'm actually I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go against you guys. Ooh. I don't like connecting on that top unit. I don't. I like Patrick on there. I'm fine with Patrick being over there over over Simmons. Totally cool with that. I want Voracek back on that unit because I think they're missing the play that they're missing with Voracek not on that unit is that cross slot pass. And that's a dangerous play that actually was working at the start of the year. They weren't finishing on it, but they were hitting that cross slot pass a lot. And Konechny, for all of his skills, just doesn't have the passing ability of Voracek. So you're losing that pass, which means that most of your offense is either basically Drew taking shots Probably just slappers, ghost bombing it from the point, and Konechny taking wristers. And I don't, I think Konechny's gotten better as a finisher, but I don't think he's good enough finisher to just beat goalies clean regularly. No, you know what? Now that you say that, that's actually a really good point. I want, I think I want Konechny on the second unit. And I like the, uh, because I like, for some reason, I like Konechny with Provorov. I like can I, I like the possibility of the short side goals with the right-handed shot on the right side. Okay, that's but fair. That's fair. On the power play, I like Voracek's ability to walk it in. 
That's I don't think he does it enough. I would like to see it more often. Um, but I, I, I do prefer Voracek. I just think Konechny is just now starting to figure it out. And since they just made the switch, like the last game, I thought the first two power plays were the third one yeah. was a disaster, and yeah, then yeah. Patrick took took the penalty. Yeah, that was bad. But I thought the first two, despite not finishing, they were creating the chances. And the only way you score is creating chances. And Hack agreed with that, and so did Drew. I, I so. I didn't ask Hack this after the game, but someone else did, and Hack basically said he thought that the power play units on Saturday basically did everything except score. Yeah. And then I asked Hack again today, and he reiterated that, and I asked Drew that today, and he reiterated that. So they feel like they're close, and I don't see them switching the units anytime soon. I think Hack feels like they're building momentum. Konechny's getting more comfortable there. Patrick's getting more comfortable there. And I do think they're going to start scoring. I just think that... Voracek being on that unit helps to create more dangerous shot and passing sequences than Konechny can right now. I've won- I've wondered, and like this is a conspiracy theory. I don't think this is going to happen, but I found it interesting when they made that switch because the two guys that got moved off that unit were a guy who's in the last year of his contract and the one guy of the core who doesn't have a no trade clause. Mm-hmm. And I almost wondered, it's like, is this a test yep. as to like, okay, this could be our top unit if we don't resign Simmons and move on for Voracek. Let's see how they do. I had a similar thought. I didn't think it was a coincidence. That's what yeah. I'll say. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Not a coincidence. My my thing with the power play right now is I believe Giroux and Gosses Bear should play the full two minutes, and the other guys are interchangeable. <laughs> I don't I hate this see, idea. I want to see the those two are the key components, and everyone else. You're not wrong. Never, like uh, I don't need like yes, I like Drew out there on the penalty kill to win faceoffs and all, but like I understand managing a thirty-one year old's minutes and you're you're getting a lot out of him. You don't want to kill him. But it's not like the power he stands there and distributes. It's not the most taxing minutes Drew plays. I don't think it would be crazy. But yeah, that ain't gonna happen. You just so you know like, what you'd have to do? You you might you actually it's not ridiculous. It really isn't ridiculous, but what you'd have to do is you'd have to take Drew out of entry duty. Because if you watch if you watch Ovechkin, the reason why he's able to play the full two minutes on both units is because he just stands there. Yeah. He just stands at the blue line, doesn't skate, and his one job is to shoot. If you make Claude Drew's only job to pass and you just don't involve him on entries, he might be able to do it. But he's like one of their main entry guys. He does that drop pass all the freaking time, and that, that tires you out. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do that, and I don't think it's a ridiculous idea, you have to basically say, okay, you're just not involved in entries anymore. Okay. It's, it's, worth, it's worth considering, but that's the sacrifice you'd have to make. Now, they're, like we've been saying, they're on this point streak. They've won three in a row, points in six straight. Um, who do they still need more from? And you drew the uh, Proverov again. I thought he was turning the corner yeah. on the road trip. Since he's come back home, he's kind of looked like the same guy from before the road trip. Yeah. What the hell is going yeah, seriously, on there? seriously, what is up with him? Is it, I mean, like, obvious... What, the, the, I've, been, I've, I've been trying to rack my brain. What injury could it possibly be? I mean, and Charlie made a good not. point. It, I don't remember if it was on Twitter or Slack that it's not, he's not making like physical mistakes. No. He's making like Mental, choice mistakes. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's plausible that, well, well, I still hold to that. I still believe that his mistakes seem more mental to me. Mm-hmm. It's plausible that a physical issue could be forcing him to overthink things. Fair. So then the physical leads to the mental that that's plausible to me, but I still, I still feel like it's just mental because it just, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like he's losing puck battles. It just seems like he's making these bizarre decisions. No, with the puck. That's the thing is he'll win a puck battle and then immediately throw it into the slot. Like, no, you just did the good thing. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm very, I'm just perplexed by his play. especially it's so since, strange. Especially since it did look like, oh, okay, here yeah, we go. And yeah, now exactly. he's steadying. And we're back where, home. Where and- is Carter Hart's sports psychologist? <laughs> Seriously. And I wonder if he only does goalies or if he does players, too. That's a really good question. Like, we need to get that card and just give it to Provorov. Like, just, you know, text him. Find out what's going on here. If it's an injury, like that would be best fucking case scenario. Like the last thing that I want is Ivan Provorov doubting his instincts. The one point I've heard, and this is, I think it's a point worth making, is that we really didn't have, like Provorov as a rookie did not look like a rookie. Provorov did not have a sophomore slump. Maybe this is just the first time things just aren't going yeah, right for him, and, that and we just have to deal with it, and he'll work his way out of it. Yeah. But we're just so we're so 
unaccustomed to him ever looking like this that all we can think of is, oh my God, what's wrong? And maybe it's just... This is just the NHL, and guys start to figure you out a little bit. You struggle, you adapt. And Pro is finally, in the third year of his NHL career at age 21, has finally hit that point where it's like, okay, I have to change a few things to really excel in this league. Maybe that's all it is. Maybe. And that's something that's come up. Oh, he's 21 now. Yeah, and that's something that's come up. 22 in January. Yeah. Something that's come up when I've been putting together the uh, sounds from the locker room. Like, there have been questions. You know, they scored the first goal in the first month of the season one time. And now it's six games in a row. They have the first goal. And uh, Konechny was asked about it. They were like, did you switch? You know, is there a different way that uh, you guys are preparing, like, at the team as a whole? He goes, I don't know. I'd have to go around and ask everyone in the room if they've switched anything. But I did. (laughs) But he says, I personally did make some changes, and he was one of the guys who kicked off the scoring the other night. So maybe there is, like, maybe you just have to switch up your routine, the littlest thing. Maybe you need to go with the chicken instead of the fish before games. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I'm actually interested because, so, unfortunately, like, I'm the only person, the athletic, who's in the locker room almost every game, so I sort of have to just jet from Mm -hmm. from scrum to scrum. Konechny said that, and it, it, it... You know, it raised my eyebrows, but I had to run over to the next scrum. And as I was leaving the following scrum, I forget who it was. It was it was one of the columnist type mainstream media people was having a conversation with Konechny, and Konechny was very clearly telling him what he changed specifically. And I'm kind of keeping an eye because I don't remember who it was, but I'm keeping an eye out for that inevitable column because it's really interesting. Like, what did you change? What exactly did you like? Are you changing your sleep schedule? Are you changing what you eat? And like, I'm curious, and I want I want to see this column because it, it it's interesting. Into me, and I wish I would have had the time to be able to, you know, to miss the one scrum to get that information from Connect Me. That would, yeah, I'm interested. That'd be cool to hear. Um, just to go back to the original question, um, I don't even remember what it was. Who, who are we not seeing enough ah, yes. from? Um, I think that I, I'm looking at the bullets. Were these Charlie bullets? These are my they bullets. They were, yes. Oh, well, I'm just going to steal your point here. Okay. Um, Wayne Simmons, is he playing well? That was going to be my next question because that's a great I. Again, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's not bad. But no, he's not. capable. Of, like every now and then, he makes a play. Like that dish he had, I think, on a, a Giroux goal a couple of games ago, was incredible. And then, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was the uh, it was like a two on one where he was he like yeah. backhanded it across the crease. And like he won a he won a battle and then got it over to Giroux and Giroux finished and it was great. But like it seems he has. Incredible games and invisible games. There's no real medium for for Wayne Simmons. He's either the most noticeable guy on the ice or he's nowhere to be found. 10 points in 17 games. It's not bad. No, the numbers are there. Like yeah. Seven goals in 17 games is a 30-goal pace, which is that's Wayne, that's Simmons. Wayne Simmons. It's just... And I, I put this in the outline. It was a question. Is Wayne Simmons playing well, question mark? Because he just seems to disappear for very long stretches of games. And you know what? Maybe that's just a function of the fact that he's playing on the third line and he's not on the top power play unit anymore. Maybe it's just a function of that. And maybe if he was playing with Claude Giroux and Sean Gauthier on the power play and on the first line, he would be more noticeable. And this is just a you know a byproduct of him playing with Jordan Wheel, who has been fine as a third-line center, but he's still Jordan Wheel third-line center. He's not going to blow you away from shift to shift. So maybe it's just that, but I don't know. He, he's just... I feel like there's more from him. There, there's got to be more from him. I'll say when Jordan Wheel overall been fine, when he's played really well, he's very noticeable. Sure. And then sure. he disappears. And I guess that there's probably a function of that's what happens with his line mates as well. Yeah, and that's what happens when you're a third-line center. You don't get as much dice yeah. time. And also, that's why you're a third-line center. Yeah, Your third-line center isn't impactful every game. Yeah. That's why he's a third-line center. Mm-hmm. So speaking of this third line and what things might be as uh, everything, you know, this team starts to get a little healthier, JVR cleared for contact. Uh, He himself a couple of days ago, I think I actually read this in a Charlie O'Connor tweet, seven to ten days, he he said he was, he said himself. It looks like the, there... He hasn't ruled out Thursday. I get the impression Saturday is the is the target. Is that Tampa? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. But Ooh, maybe all right. Thursday. Definitely not definitely not Tuesday. No. Thursday is possible but unlikely. Saturday is looking like what they're what they're aiming for. Where would you fit him in ideally? Is he right back? Is it is it wheel centering Simmons and JVR? Is that what you're looking to do? I think it has to be right. That's my thought too. I think it has to. I think the, like 
if that second line doesn't have the West Coast trip it had, if the first line doesn't get rolling, there's different different things you can do all over the place. But right now, it's like there's a big old hole. Like Dale Weiss is right now your your three LW, yeah. and as good as Dale's been, and me, he's been good for Dale. He yeah. hasn't been super yeah. impactful. No. He's been fine. He's yeah. been he's been fine as a fill in for JVR. But I, you're not gonna you're not gonna push JVR out for Dale. No, Weiss. yeah, exactly. Like I like what I'm getting out of Dale Weiss right now as a as a four checker and a guy who's loosening up loosening up pucks for for his line mates and making things happen. But you know where where he'll look real good doing that with with Lawton and eventually Raffle. You know that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, I guess that's where you have to put JVRs on that third line, and, and it could work. It I could think work. It really could. I'm legitimately excited about him coming back because that really was the thing that we were all looking forward to seeing, and we saw it for like 30 seconds. And <laughs> it, was it was the over. one four periods. Yeah. yeah, yeah, only improvement. No, that four was, periods. Oh, we have depth. Hey, we have depth, and then Just and it's gone. And it's gone again. <laughs> Like yeah, it was. No, I mean, he don't. got he got hurt in the first period of game number two. Oh, like, that's a, like Rod Hextall's got to be going like, "Fuck you!" Yeah, really. Not, not to anybody <laughs> not, in yeah, particular. Just a fate. Just, just the world. Yeah, just yeah a like, fate. No, uh, Hextall did say. I want to say last week. Some of the more revealing things you can get from a coach are just the things it's very clear he didn't intend to say, but it slips through without thinking. And at one point, he was asked about Weiss, and he basically said, yeah, Weiss has done a really good job filling in for JVR. And that just, like, immediately was like, okay, that's JVR's spot. It's that, as good as, he, yeah. I'm sure he's very happy with Weiss, but he's just always looking at Dale Weiss as, okay, well, you are the fill-in for JVR, and once JVR is back, you are moving down. Do we have a raffle update? Early December. Early December. That, that is what Hextall said on the road trip. Okay. I, I, I have to transcribe it to confirm, but I'm 96% sure that he said early December is the target for All right. So, so we've got another two, three weeks. So three, looking at weeks. the way things are shaking out, we're going to be seeing Lawton, Weiss, Laterra. Probably. Because this is. Yeah. They're going to send all the Yeah. All Bay Cubell going back. And I don't. Listen, I don't, I don't care. care. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> like of all the young guys who haven't really got a shot, this Albay Bell might end up being a good bottom six forward one day. Yeah, whatever. I don't. If I can only get so mad when they win every game that he plays four <laughs> minutes in. It wasn't right. even about him getting minutes. It was just like the dumb shit where like you're already down a guy and you're yeah, not going to play true. this that guy. And was, it's like, what are you doing that, with eleven forwards? Like, that why? One game was frustrating yeah. when it was like, all right. We have two other guys hurt, and you're still. I don't, you're just rolling three lines. Yeah, yeah that's you dumb. just now have. You've decided that we only have three lines. Whatever. Uh, I. I just. Is it. Is it a big deal to anybody? I don't. Nah. It's. It's. It's, it's mildly annoying. It's a, it is annoying. I, but I. I, I I'm not going to go crazy nah. over it. You know how I feel about. Yeah, yeah, you, you don't yeah, even like Steph him to be so. uh, Q-Bell. No. I think that the, he's so hard. He has shown that he can play in the NHL. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. I, I think that he has shown that he can potentially be an NHL player. And the role he's in right now is where I want him. Just five more minutes a game yeah. someday. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? Someday. Exactly. And I hope he gets there. want to see it. I'm just not crazy about it at this point. He really enjoyed the victory song. There was a video that was posted to Instagram. Oh, he really liked it. He was doing the knock-knock. <gasps> Nobody else was. That's awesome. So, now know, was, I'm, I'm more upset that he didn't get more time. It was yeah, a now little I, bit I, Now I'm pissed off. Travis Konechny was doing a dance. That was Tra- Travis Konechny gets into those songs. Like the the, la- the last game of the road trip me. when when they played uh, they played Mo Bamba. Oh, he was he was into it. He was full on dancing in the locker. Oh God, I love, delightful. I love. And him. then Radko Gudas basically said, "I only know one word of this song, so I just sing it." It's, it's like <laughs> it's like fallen or something. I forget what what word he said, but he's like, "I only know the one word, so every time that pops up, I sing it, and that's it." But I, I like it. I, I, <laughs> Oh come on! I, Let make me like you this game. Yeah. Let's um let, real quickly because we we're running out of time here. Fallen and Ghost, is this a good pair? Like the numbers say <laughs> no. The advanced numbers I say no. Know. But like I watch them and go, there aren't many big chances. Of, like I don't like. I think Ghost has enough. I I had Ghost in the in the yes, list of that, players I that to I get thought to him when we yeah, talked to Fallen. Yeah, that where it was like. Who do we need more from? I want to see more yeah, from Ghost. Yeah. Because Ghost has not shown yet. Like, this is one of those, like, the way we thought uh, Provorov was turning it around. Since they've come home, I'm looking at Ghost and going, you look like Ghost again. Yeah. I, I, he's, he's definitely had moments. And it's funny, not to say that I think 
Fallen has been the better person on that pair because Ghost is Ghost and Fallen is Fallen. But to me... Reaching their potential. Yeah, to me, I watch Fallen and I say Fallen is doing all I can hope he can do. Yeah. Whereas I watch Ghost on that pair, I'm like, Ghost needs do to do more, more on that yes. pair. Yes. Uh, that's yeah. If Fair. you if you do like adjusted expectations, exactly, of, exactly. Let's see who's how good is your good. Folan's as good as I expect, way better than I expected him to be. Ghost still needs to get there. Do you think they'll put Ghost and Provorov back together? I don't. I almost wonder if they're going to wait to do that until both of them are playing well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, at this point, everything they're doing is working. I'm not making changes. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, I just think, like them together. <laughs> it's do, fun listen, when they're playing The well. potential yeah. of those two together is is like the potential of this team. It's super high as I'm losing my hat and we're running out of time. Yeah, I was wondering what was going I, on there. It, my hair just forces the hat off of my head. Got it. Um, yeah, that's all the time we have for you this week, guys. Thanks for li- I think we did a good job of really capturing the feeling around this team. There of, are feelings. There's, there's like a bunch of positives, but as Kelly put it, the black cloud of Dave Hackstall looms. Everyone has feelings on Dave. They range from eh to fuck nah, this guy. Yeah. And I think we I think we captured them all. So thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us live on Facebook, everybody. My name is Bill Matz for Kelly, for Charlie, for Steph. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.